What's up, everybody? I hope everyone's having a great day, and thank you for tuning into a new episode of The Sports Raid. Before we get started, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about one of our sponsors, BLK Water. BLK Water is a fulvic mineral water with a great amount of electrolytes, antioxidants, a high pH plus level, and is all natural. It comes in amazing different flavors and has amazing health benefits. So if you want black water and amazing flavors, just go over to blkwater.com and use code BLKRAID for 20% off any purchase. Thank you guys and enjoy the episode. What's up guys? Welcome back to episode 9 of the Sports Raid. I know it's a little bit different of a point of view. I do have a guest coming on today. I have Mike, a.k.a. Pro Sports Opinions, coming on again. He's been on the past. He's a great guy, very knowledgeable. He's a young creator just like myself, so it's good to interact with him. It's cool. We have a good time, have some good talks. He's coming on again in this episode, so I'm doing it via Zoom again, and I'm having camera problems still. That's why I didn't put one on YouTube Friday. And last Tuesday or Wednesday, I wasn't able to. I had a lot of schoolwork, so, you know, school is my number one priority right now. But... I'm going to make sure I get one on YouTube just because I know there's some YouTube guys that have been able to watch, and I love I love making this for you guys, and I know you guys enjoy watching it, so we are back on YouTube. I will switch over now to when Mike joins, and we'll get started. All right, I'm back here with Mike, a.k.a. Pro Sports Opinions. Mike, how are you doing today? And how are you doing, Cole? I'm, I'm doing pretty good, pretty good. Great, week of, great weekend of sports. The NFL games were a little, not, not a lot of fun ones, but a lot of interesting things happened. We'll dive into that, but before we do... We would be doing the sports world injustice if we didn't touch on the MLB playoffs and the World Series coming up. No, we would not. I mean, I, I don't know how much of the playoffs that you have watched, but I've watched a decent amount. Yeah, I've been on and off with it. It's watching a little bit. Yeah. So what do you think? What do you think so far about the MLB playoffs? What was the biggest surprise to you? I think everybody's biggest surprise has to be the Atlanta Braves. I mean, you had a five, you've got five teams in the national league in the playoffs. Four were considered heavy, uh, you know, possibilities for the world series. Atlanta was not one of them. You lose Ronald Acuna jr. Right around the 4th of July, midway through the season, obviously your best player. And then you still go out at the deadline. You're aggressive. And a lot of people were skeptical of that. I mean, they thought that the Braves needed to start building for the future, you know, build up a relatively weak farm system. They said, no, we're going to go out. We're going to be aggressive. They get Eddie Rosario for Pablo Sandoval, which has probably been the best value trade to this point out of the, out of the deadline. Uh, Jorge Soler is coming back for the world series. Their starting pitching has been great with freed and more. the playoffs because of a weak NL East division makes it to the world series. That's gotta be everybody's biggest surprise to this point. Um, hold on. Something's going, all right, I'm good. All right. Uh, yeah, no, I definitely was shocked by that too. I really thought that that pitching rotation on the Brewers were going to take care of them pretty easily. I think a lot of people did. And then I thought they ran into the Dodgers or giants. I didn't think anybody had a chance against those guys, but I mean, they got the job done. They beat, beat them in LA too. So Good for the Braves. I mean, obviously, I'm not cheering for them as a Phillies fan. I would like to see the. I would rather see the Astros win, but and I also picked the Astros to win it all. But the Astros are interesting to me because I feel like a lot of people don't give them the credit they deserve because of the trash cans and the cheating scandal. Which yes, they did cheat, but they it wasn't like they were an untalented team. 
No, not at all. I mean, I think even if they don't cheat in 2017, they win the World Series. I, don't th- I think that if they don't cheat in 2019, they make the World Series. You don't make three out of the last five World Series and make five straight ALCSs mm-hmm. solely based off of cheating. That yeah. roster was built insanely well by the front office of the Houston Astros. They rebuilt that team as good as we've seen any MLB team rebuild. Uh uh, in recent history and obviously 2017 is going to stay with them forever just as the 1919 black Sox scandal has you know stood with chicago for nearly over actually 100 years so winning the world series or making it this year is not going to remove that blemish uh from the three years ago when they won a world series or, f- or four years ago when they won a world series mm-hmm. because they were cheating but i mean yeah. i think that this year really solidifies that that roster was talented enough to win even if they weren't cheating yeah, and I think I think obviously I still feel like it should stick with them forever. They did cheat at the end of the day; it did happen. So I'm not saying it shouldn't stick with them forever, but at the same time, I feel like people did still didn't give them the credit they deserve for being as good as they were, and I feel like they're starting to earn that now. Absolutely. Yeah, I think another big surprise was I just didn't. The Giants just didn't look impressive. I just the Giants were definitely my not only surprises; they were just disappointment. I feel like every game they lost, they just looked bad and i mean obviously they did win two of the of the five but they were definitely the biggest them in the race the rays were another big disappointment yeah i mean as for the giants i mean obviously you're a 106 win team playing your division rivals who also won 104 games but you got to play them because the dodgers had made it to the wild card and the giants are the number one seed so i think that they really got a bad matchup for the division series as did the dodgers but the dodgers were the ones that obviously prevailed and i made it out on top but the rays i mean their pitching was supposed to be their strength. And really that was their undoing against the Boston Red Sox. They let that lineup do way too much damage. You know, Randy Rosarina, he played relatively well, but that entire lineup just as a whole for the right, for the race did not. I think you're muted right now. There we go. No, I think, I don't know what happened. I lost connection for some reason. These study rooms, man, they they put these big cinder block walls everywhere and it's hard to get connected here, (laughs) but. Oh, that's yeah. That sounds like it sucks. Yeah. Enough about baseball. Um, I one more thing about baseball actually is I feel like baseball doesn't I know they really can't control it but I feel like they do themselves a disservice by putting the having the World Series what it is and I know it's a fall classic but I mean they have to compete with the NFL I think that's something that other sports don't have to do because obviously the NFL is gonna be more watched yeah the I mean the only thing that really competes with the NFL the in the other two major sports in the NHL and NBA is their opening of the season and they get a little bit of attention not too much but they don't care so much about the opening of the season as much as the end of the season the all-star break when they are the primary sports so yeah Yeah. I and I feel like that it's not the MLB's really fault I think that's just the way that baseball was you know meant to be they were supposed to be finishing up in the fall you know a summer sport uh, and they got six months and the NFL's emergence and football's emergence really you know put them on the back burner okay so let's speak of the NFL let's talk about the NFL it was, it, was a, it was an interesting week. A lot of weird things went on. A lot of things that I didn't expect. For example, like the Lions hanging around with the Rams. But what was, I feel like we start, have to start off talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they have a lot of little issues, but I think they're all coming to fruition now. What do you think? I think that their little issues have started to become big issues. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, he's, be, he's become a big issue as many interceptions that he has, as he has that are tip interceptions that 
are credited to the wide receivers not making a play. There are times where he is really inaccurate. I think there there were three 15-plus yard throws. Travis Kelsey's wide open, and he overthrows him. I mean, his accuracy has not been nearly the same this year. Decision-making has been really bad. And the defense as a whole for Kansas City has been horrible. That secondary has let up too many big plays. The run defense is not able to stop anybody. And I get that you're not going to stop Derrick Henry unless you're a top-tier unit in the NFL. But it hasn't just been Derrick Henry. It's been every team that they face yeah. this season. They've been able to run the ball all over him. That defense as a whole has been really bad. The rebuilt offensive line has not been as good as advertised or expected. The run game's been really bad. And now Patrick Mahomes has become an issue. The one thing, the one thing that was really a guarantee coming into this season hasn't been a guarantee. And that has put Kansas City in a position that I think they will not make the playoffs this season. Yeah, uh, I still think that they'll find a way. I think they'll at some point get their stuff. They'll get it together. But I again, it's still hard to pick against the Chiefs. I mean, yeah. but I also think that the two biggest issues are the defense and Pat Mahomes. But I think part of the issue with Pat Mahomes is the offensive line has not been performing. They went out and got Orlando Brown, and he hasn't been performing at the same uh, way he used to. So I think that they're they do need to work on some stuff. Pat Mahomes needs to he needs to work on his decision making, obviously. But at the end of the day. They're still the Chiefs. Pat Mahomes is still Pat Mahomes, and I'm sure they'll figure it out. Because I've seen all over TikTok, Instagram, how they're comparing Pat Mahomes to Russell Wilson. And I think that their first three seasons, because coincidentally, they both lost to Brady and won a Super Bowl and stuff. But again, I've seen this. What it is is rookie, you know, your first year, their first year starting, uh, they lost in the, uh, what was it, conference championship. Yeah. Second year, they won a Super Bowl. Third yeah. year, they lose the Super Bowl to Patrick to not to Patrick to Tom Brady. Yeah, and then fourth year is lackluster. Yeah, so, but I mean, from that also, standpoint, it lines up. But yeah, but then if you look, if you actually look at what they've done, it's not it's not really close. I mean, Pat yeah. Mahomes had a league MVP, a first team All Pro. He's been to three Pro Bowls. Russell Wilson had been to two. He had I think like seventy had double the touch or what did he have? He had one hundred fourteen touchdowns. Russell Wilson had seventy two, twenty one interceptions to twenty six. He had a 5,000-yard season, something Russell Wilson didn't have, and a 50-touchdown uh, uh, season. So there's definitely – I think that was just, you know, how people like to be – try to create drama or blow everything up out of proportion. But, yeah, I definitely don't think that they're as close as people uh, make it seem. But that doesn't ignore the struggle that he's having. No, no, no. And back, back to Russell Wilson, here's the thing. People are so quick to forget about how good the Seahawks defense was in 2015 because mm-hmm. of how bad it is right now. I mean, Russell yeah. Wilson had the Legion of Boom to also, you know, kind of rely on, fall back on when he wasn't playing at his best. Patrick Mahomes was the fallback option for Kansas City. He was everything about the Kansas City Chiefs. When you thought about the Chiefs, you thought about Patrick Mahomes. When you thought about the Seahawks, it's Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, the Legion of Boom, and then you yeah. got Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch. I mean, yeah. Mahomes made up way more Kansas City than Russell Wilson did of Seattle, which makes them different compared to their first four years, as much as people want to compare them, at least. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of Seattle and the NFC West, this division that was supposed to be this pristine division, all four teams are going to make the playoffs. The Seahawks and 49ers have struggled this year, and the Rams and Cardinals have done excellent jobs. I mean, oh, yeah. other than playing each other, they've been undefeated. So, but let's talk about this, the, what the 49ers and Seahawks have struggled with this season. I really don't know what it is with San Francisco. I think it's more so, you know, their offense. They haven't been able to get the run game going, and Jimmy G has not been able to be mm-hmm. as, you know, effective or efficient as he was in 2019 when they made the Super Bowl. And you're putting that defense on the field too many times. They're getting exhausted, and that's why you see them kind of, you know, break 
later in games. You, they lose that stinginess that they usually have. And also you can kind of attribute that to Robert Sala leaving. He was one of the best defensive coaches in the NFL, and now he's coaching the dumpster fire that is the New York Jets. <laughs> so I think that that can be attributed to it. I mean, a lot of things happened to San Francisco this offseason. And that offense has not been able to be as efficient or effective on the ground as they were in 2019 or really in 2020. Yeah. I think that that defense definitely, you can just see the injuries are hitting them again. They lost Mostert. They lost uh, Jason, uh, what's Jason Verrett. Yeah. Jason Verrett for the season. So they're getting, they're starting to get banged up again, but their defense just, they haven't looked at 2019, but they haven't been as bad as 2020. They're kind of in the middle and I think them bouncing around between Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance isn't fair to not only Trey Lance, I get he got hurt, but either way, they, they're going to need to pick a starter soon. They're going to need to roll with them. I think it's going to be Trey Lance. I think Jimmy G is going to be gone this offseason. But also, if you get to the point where it's like, hey, we're not like Trey Lance comes back and like, all right, we really have a tough road to make the playoffs. Do we even put him in? Like, do we even keep him or do we give him the rest of the season to kind of learn, recover from the injury and get, get ready. So next year, when you are healthy, hopefully on defense and you're ready for offense, hopefully Trey Lance can be the quarterback that they drafted number three overall. Yeah. If I'm San Francisco in that scenario, I'm sitting Trey Lance. And even when he comes back healthy from injury, if I'm San Francisco, I'm still sitting him. I I get that. They're probably going to put him in as a starter, but I'm still sitting him. I'm still getting him to, you know, learn the system, become accustomed to the culture and kind of the speed of the NFL. We've seen it catch up to Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence at times and Justin Fields. They have been, you know, behind the eight ball they haven't been able to adjust the speed they've been able to learn that they have not been able to learn the system quick enough I think that we should kind of get used to expecting rookie quarterbacks to sit for half a year or an entire season to get adjusted to the NFL when you have a guy that is number one overall that is your you know franchise guy that you're trying to build a team around then yes you start him from day one if you have a guy that has the football IQ of Mac Jones which is once in what, 10 years, I believe. You don't find a guy with Mac Jones's IQ or feel for the game every day or every year. So you throw him in if he can win that starting quarterback battle. Aside from those two instances, I think that we need to get used to sitting rookie quarterbacks for about a year. And I think that that's what the 49ers should do. Sit Trey Lance, get him adjusted to the speed, fully recover because you cannot have a rookie injury that can linger for years with a guy like Trey Lance. You traded three first round picks to get him. You have to make sure that he is healthy and ready to go before you throw him into the fire. Yeah, I think, and also we're looking at quarterback injuries that's affecting the other team that's been struggling at, in the NFC West and the Seahawks. I think if Russell Wilson plays, I think they would have won that game last night. I mean, that was one of the most disturbing games I've ever watched. It was not entertaining at all. I think it was more entertaining watching Peyton and Eli uh, go off with Brady and Marshawn, but I just don't think, I think the Seahawks struggles stems from them not having Russell Wilson and them having a guy who's been a career backup. Yeah. And one of the best decisions I've made all season was to go to sleep at halftime of that game. I did not watch the end of it. And I am very glad I caught up on some sleep last night. Uh, but yeah, Dino Smith, a career backup. He's not going to win you football games. He mm-hmm. can be a game manager if he's in the right situation with the pieces around him, but he's not. The Seahawks are built to have Russell Wilson be such a big time game changer that he can single-handedly win you games. That defense is atrocious. The, I mean, Alice Collins is our starting running back right now yeah. with a bad offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, that team was built to have a quarterback like Russell Wilson slinging the ball so well and be so unstoppable that their offense 
can win them so many games. That has not been the case. He gets hurt. Now Geno Smith is into the game, and that's not the type of quarterback he is. Now their defense held, held uh, New Orleans to 13 points. Props to them because they haven't played that well all season, at least from you know a scoring defense aspect. But I, I just feel like that Russ getting hurt puts Seattle in a bad position because of how they were built and you know the role Russell Wilson played with them. Yeah, definitely not having Russell Wilson is a struggle because Russell Wilson is still a top five quarterback in the NFL. And he asked for a better offensive line. He hasn't gotten it. And they wonder why he has to be traded. This is why I do think he gets traded in the offseason. I don't know where. I mean, obviously, you got to see what happens with like Deshaun Watson, Jimmy Garoppolo with the draft and stuff. So that should be interesting. Now, back to the let's let's look at the successors of the of the NFC West with the Cardinals and the Rams. I feel like I feel like that the Cardinals right now are the best team in football. I think that they've had tough games and they've taken care of it. I think Kyler Murray has looked is, is the MVP right now. At least in my opinion, I look at Kyler Murray as the MVP. I just feel like also with my MVP, every time I do my MVP rankings, they have a bad week. Whoever's number two has a bad week. Stafford, after I put him number two, he had a tough week against the Cardinals. Then I put Mahomes at number two. He's had some tough weeks. And then I put uh, Lamar Jackson at number two. I mean, he... He played. Oh, he didn't play horrible this past week, but his team did. So, but I, mean, I, I think the Cardinals end up coming out on top in that division. I, th- I think so as well. I mean, the dominance they had over Los Angeles—that's not something that you can just. That that wasn't a game where they played well enough to win. That that was a game that they just completely dominated. They did. They didn't allow the Rams to play well enough to win that game. And their defense doesn't get enough credit. Sometimes, yes, it can get you know susceptible to big time plays, and you know offenses running all over them. But with the with an offense of the Rams caliber, they didn't let that happen. What was the score? I think it was thirty four to thirteen. If I'm yeah, not it was mistaken. Like, yeah, they 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 beat they beat, beat down. I think it was like thirty four seventeen. I think it was yeah, I mean, it was it was it was a beatdown by the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I mean, all the the slander in the offseason, if you will, of how old J.J. Watt is and how washed up he is. Chandler Jones not coming back the same. And I know that he hasn't played a lot, but Buda Baker has been great in that secondary. They've gotten some solid secondary play from their corners. Um, Isaiah Simmons has really stepped up uh, to answer the bell. And J.J. Watt's been near his – prime years in Houston not as good nearly but he's been very good he's been a top level you know defensive lineman for the Arizona Cardinals mm-hmm. and with the offense that they have all they need their defense to be is average and they've been above average this season mm-hmm. and that has set absolutely. up the Cardinals to be seven and oh absolutely and it's 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 always good when you see a coach who's on the hot seat heading into the season do as well as Cliff Kingsbury does because even if the Cardinals end up struggling down the stretch because they're if they sneak in the playoffs and get bounced in the first round cliff kingsbury is not going to leave they're not going to get rid of him yet and i don't think he deserves to cliff kingsbury has been there for what three four years and he's developed kyler murray into an elite quarterback he's gone out there and got deandre hopkins and jj watt and has built this defense that can be good enough for that offense help he's got gone and gotten zach Ertz. Obviously, I want to see the Cardinals win just because I know the Eagles aren't going to going to this year. So it'll be nice to see Zacherts get another one. Yeah, well, it would it would definitely be nice to see Zacherts get another one. So going on to the next division, we have the NFC South. Uh, man, another disappointing team so far has been the Panthers, but they also that NFC South has a surprise team to me, and that's the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, I mean, and Atlanta, what's their record right now? I think they're three and four. Three and three. Or three, and three and three. They had a bye week. So three, three and three. Oh, yeah, they had their bye week. Three and three. Now, Arizona, 
once we got started to get closer to week one, they were a team that was considered to be kind of slept on, and that didn't come to fruition earlier in the season. But now that you got Kyle Pitts playing at a high level, now that you got Matt Ryan, I mean, Matt Ryan has consistently been a pretty good quarterback for Atlanta. Cordell Patterson is starting to make his name known, and that defense has been solid enough to win three games to get to a 500 level. No, they're not going to be a playoff team, but playing 500 football is something that was considered a win for Atlanta heading into the season. And right now that's exactly what they're doing. I I could, with the schedule they have left, the Falcons, I think could be sitting there on the brink of a playoff spot. I mean, they have, they get the Panthers in Atlanta this week. Then they, then they go to new Orleans, which is going to be a big game. Then they get the Patriots in uh, Atlanta. Then they play the Jaguars. They have the Panthers again, the Lions, the Saints again. So they have a lot of winnable games. So if we're sitting there in this, like around Christmas time and we have the Falcons sitting at the eight or nine spot, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I would, I would be too surprised either. I mean, if you play 500 football, you're mm-hmm. definitely going to be in the running for a playoff spot yeah. at the very least. Mm-hmm. I think that's the issue with the Panthers, though, is that they, their first three weeks – they played lights out. They look. Sam Darnold looked like it was all care. It was all uh, Adam Gase, all the Jets, and it turned out it was just as much Adam Gase in the Jets as it was Sam Darnold. Yeah, I mean Ryan Tannehill with the Dolphins was not as bad as Sam Darnold was with oh, the Jets. Yeah. So that comparison in the offseason didn't really hold as much merit as many people thought that it did because of how good Ryan Tannehill was when he went to Tennessee before the season, at least because he's been pretty lackluster uh, aside from the Kansas City game I think he had a good I would say that he had a good game against the Chiefs uh, but bef- the two years prior 2019 and 2020 Ryan Tannehill was lights out for yeah. Tennessee but Sam Darnold I mean he's had turnover issues and you know issues making the correct decision that was his big knock coming out of college he needs to get smarter he needs to make better decisions and he needs to hold on to the football uh, at least from a turnover aspect more than he has. I mean, he had 47 turnovers in his two or three seasons at college. That is just horrendous, yeah. really. He, he was a and, machine. Oh, yeah. And the first three weeks, let's be honest, they benefited off of a relatively easy schedule. Yeah. And now that Sam Donald has had to face defenses that aren't as susceptible as what a Houston or who else did they play? I mean, they played the Saints, but that was when they had, they didn't have their coaches and they had Ian yeah. Book calling subs. Oh, yeah. And they, I forget who else they played. Uh, but their their defense has even when they started, even when they first lost to like the Eagles, they played they defense, played the Jets week one. That's who they. Yes, played. that's right. Yeah. But yeah, but even when they played the Eagles, their defense looked good, but their offense just couldn't do anything. And I think that's the issue is Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey is is the focal point of that offense, but they give him this insane load for a guy who isn't built for the load that he. 40 touches, 50 touches a game. So I think that's an issue. I think they're, I don't think Christian McCaffrey, McCaffrey, when he comes back this year, if he does or next year, I don't see him getting the amount of touches as he has the last two years because it just won't work out. Somebody no, that, plus, somebody that size can't produce like that for that long. Yeah. Plus you got finally really the, apparent emergence of dj Moore, which should have happened three years ago or two yeah. years ago i should say but now you got that he's definitely going to take the workload off cmc you've got a guy like chuba hubbard that can take snaps off of cmc and keep mm-hmm. him on the sideline and fresh a little bit and obviously cmc being out doesn't help sam darnold but 
Sam Darnold has still been inexcusably bad without oh, CMC. Absolutely. And that defense is still really good, in my opinion, at least. But when you're on the field 70, 75, maybe even 80% of the game because your offense can st- can't stay on the field, you're going to get worn down, you're going to get exhausted, and then things are going to break at the later points of games. And that's exactly how it happened against the New York Giants. Yep. And speaking of uh, the NFC South, let's look at the, the two teams that have been more successful. Obviously, we don't really even need to talk about the Bucs. We know that they're it's going to be hard to beat the Bucs. There's not many. There's a few teams that can, but it's going to be hard to. I'm interested with the Saints because the Saints, when they have looked good, they have looked good. When they've looked bad, they've looked bad. So I don't know how I feel about the Saints. Uh, they're another team that is going to be around that 7 to 10 range come late Christmas, early uh, 2022 so it's gonna be interesting and it doesn't make too much sense but when you look at their quarterback Jameis Winston and the ups and downs he has then it can then it starts making sense yeah. a little bit because yeah. his ups are insane his downs are really bad so that kind of makes sense but not having Michael Thomas kind of hurts that wide receiving core a little bit everybody thought they were gonna rely on Marquez Callaway and then Callaway has kind of disappeared this season so they've had to go to Traquan Smith a little bit had to use Alvin Kamara a lot out of the backfield and his his workload's still been insane but you know the numbers aren't there compared to last season when he was considered one of the best running backs in the NFL he still is but not you know as high as it was in uh, 2020 and that that defense has been one of the more kind of consistent I would say that's been the most consistent part about the Saints uh but yeah that offense there is no sense of consistency at all and that's something that has to change hopefully when Michael Thomas comes back uh it changes which should be within the next couple yeah, of weeks so we could see yeah. a New Orleans change uh at least from a consistency standpoint offensively coming soon so let's talk let's move over to the AFC a little bit let's touch on one of your a division I know you probably want to talk about a lot that is the AFC North and what is going on there? Because I have no clue who's going to win that division. Uh, nobody has any clue who's going to win that division. Because and coming into the season, that was kind of the case. But we thought it was between the Browns and the Ravens. And now it's a four-team race. Mm-hmm. I mean, with how the Steelers are, they're going to lose. They, they're probably going to end up losing to the Lions. But they're still going to find a way to pull off enough wins that at the very least have their name in the running. Now with Cleveland, the injury bug has gotten to them a little too much. Uh, their playoff hopes are in the air. For both Cleveland and Pittsburgh, it's a must win because a win gets you back into the division race. It gets you a much needed division win for, you know, tiebreaker purposes. And you're sitting 500 or barely above 500. You can't fall too far behind the eight ball like the losing team will um, coming this Sunday. So it's a must win for both teams. The Ravens, I mean, week one, everybody thought that they were going to be left for dead five game winning streak. Now they're going to run away with the division. And then Cincinnati comes in and whacks them. Now Cincinnati's ahead of everybody in the division and something nobody really saw coming. Not even Cincinnati fans. Exactly. I was, when I was looking at my preview for the end for the season, I looked and I said, I think it's going to be between the Browns and Ravens. I think the Steelers will hang around the wild card race. Uh, The Bengals. I mean, I see, I saw people trashing them. I saw them saying they're going to win two games. They're going to win five games and they've already won five games. So I think it's interesting to see. I think with that division, I think that we'll see uh, the Ravens and the Bengals will be up in the front, top two. One's going to get the division. One's going to get the wild card. And I think the Steelers and the the Browns are going to be right there with the Chiefs, the Raiders, for those last, like, one or two wild card spots. So it should be interesting, and I'm I'm excited to see how it turns out. Uh, Absolutely. And – one thing I will say, I hate it that I'm falling in love with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase because I'm not <laughs> supposed to be doing that, but yeah. it, it's just, it's slowly happening. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Joe Burrow. I mean, a lot of people thought Dak Prescott was the clear cut comeback player of the year, but I think Joe Burrow is he's right up there with them. I think Joe Burrow. I would, to be honest, I would say Joe Burrow is not only ahead of Dak Prescott in the comeback player of the year race. That Joe Burrow is my pick. I think Joe Burrow is top three in the MVP race. I w- I was just about to get there. I was just about to get there. Is how there's gonna be a new li- new name on my list, and I know a lot of people thrash me for uh, my Dak for not giving Dak enough respect, but I finally put him on. But my MVP list. I feel like every week I'm like, oh, you know, it, this should be solid the rest of the season. Then it gets shaken up. The only people that have stayed there have been Tom Brady and Kyler Murray. Yeah. But I, yeah, that, that duo of Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow has been phenomenal. I mean, Jamar Chase is not only, he's not only the best rookie wide receiver, he's looking like a top 10 wide receiver. And that's another guy. Who's got, top five. Yeah. Yeah. That's another guy who's got a lot of thrash over the, uh, in the off season. Oh, he's dropping all these passes. Oh, Jamar Chase this, Jamar Chase that. Well, He's making Justin Jefferson's season last year look like nothing. And, and here's the thing. I saw this the other day, and I completely understand it. We saw Justin Jefferson have one of the best rookie seasons we've ever seen. And he wasn't even nearly the best wide receiver on his college team with Jamar Chase. We can't wait to see what, you know, his college teammate Jamar Chase is going to do when he gets into the league. Instead, it was the exact opposite. You know, Jamar Chase is going to bust. He's not going to be that good. And now he's doubling Justin Jefferson's numbers and we're all, and we're only seven weeks through the season. I mean, it took Jefferson six weeks for people to, for him to even break through and then people to start talking about him. We've been talking about Jamar chase since week one. Yeah. So the, I mean, the numbers he could still put up by the end of the season. Insane. And the crazy thing with the Bengals is they had that weird loss to the bears, which I mean, looking now, I mean, that that weird loss to the bears kind of was the justifying moment of everybody's, you know, they're not going to win too many games. They're going to be pretty bad this yeah. season. Yeah. And it was since just, then it's been, insane. and then, and then they played the Packers and they basically had to hand the pack. And I know the Packers had to basically hand them the game too, but they had to try to lose that game. It took that everything was, they had to lose that game. That, that was a classic uh, instance of who wants to lose more. Yeah. And it ended yeah. up being Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. It ended up being Cincinnati. So uh, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting race. That is going to be the most exciting division to watch down the stretch. Yeah. Another division that I think is going to be interesting is the AFC West, because I still think there's three teams and three teams in that division that could win the division because you can never count the chiefs out from getting hot. You can't count them out. The chargers have looked exceptional except for against the Ravens. And then the Ravens look bad against the chiefs. So maybe it's the Bengals turn to look bad this week. Dad, but, I, I hope so. And then the Raiders, I mean, they, they started off, Three and zero, lost two in a row. Everyone's like, and then they lost their coach, and everyone's like, oh my god, the Raiders. You know, it's their midseason collapse. I still see it coming, just because it's the Raiders. But yeah. even with this new head coach, they won in and they beat and um, who they beat? They beat the Broncos in Denver against that defense. Then they go and beat Philly, which even even after Philly got off to a hot start and had everything going their way, their defense just they played tougher than the Eagles. And even when Philly made the Eagles do that thing where they like to make these late fourth quarter comebacks that always fall short. No, it's, it's, it's garbage time uh, stat padding for Jalen Hurts and Jalen yeah. Rager. Well, that, that's why Jalen Hurts is the, the is a great fantasy quarterback and not a good NFL quarterback. If you yeah. want a fantasy quarterback, he's a legend. He's, he puts up 20 points plus a game. But if you need an NFL quarterback, maybe I'd rather, not. I'd rather, I'd rather go with the dude uh, that – Jalen Hurts came in for. I'd yeah, rather go Carson with Carson Wentz. Wentz. Yeah, I still have my Wentz jersey and my Hurts jersey, and it's it's sad to look at them sometimes. But <laughs> I, yeah, that division is gonna be interesting. That's, that's like me looking at my AB jersey. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one for uh, seeing AB do so well. Um, yeah, I think I still think that division be interesting. And I, ah, 
I pick them every week this year and I hate doing it, but the Broncos, I feel like they always have a game they should win and they never do anymore. Yep, completely agree. I mean, I feel like Denver, even though they got dominated for three and a half quarters against the Steelers, coming into that game, Denver should have won. They let a Steelers lackluster run game go for 130. They let Ben Roethlisberger look half decent. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what, that should not have happened with how good their defense is. Because the they played the Ravens. I'm like, oh, you know what? They're free. No, their defenses look great. I, there's nothing really I can base like that they've done wrong. So let me take the Broncos. They lost the Ravens. And it, it wasn't a blow. It wasn't a blow, but it wasn't a close game. It was a decent size victory. Then they're playing the Steelers. This is when the Steelers have looked have been struggling. They just lost to the Bengals. And who else did they, had they lost? They, no, they were coming off the three-game losing streak. I mean, all hope is lost. Start tanking mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Yeah. Get, and, get ready for next year. That was, that was where we were at. And yeah. then Harris goes for 122. Yeah. And then they lose. I'm like, all right. And then they played uh, the Raiders. I'm like, the Raiders just lost their coach. They're on a two game losing streak. Well, let me pick. Nope. They lost. And then they played the banged up Cleveland Browns with Case Keenum and Dearness Johnson. And they lost. So I'm done picking the Broncos. Well, they, they, they let Dearness Johnson go for what? Yeah. 140 something. Yeah. I don't he, know. That was insane. Yeah. They're letting some, they're letting guys have their breakout games. So I'm, I don't know who they play next week, but somebody's having a breakout game in that backfield. Oh, yeah. So next thing I want to talk about is I want to talk about what you think. So what is your playoff picture looking like at the end of the season? Like your prediction on where we're going to be one through seven in each conference? Start, starting with the AFC. I think that you still have Buffalo finish on top of everybody. Mm-hmm. Number two – I, th- I think the Chargers are going to come off the bye week hot. I think the Chargers get a nice run. They get the number two to end the season. Number three, I, th- I think that it's a repeat of 2015. You see Cincinnati as the number three team. At number four, I think Indianapolis finds a way to win that division, even if they're two or three games behind Tennessee. I feel like Indy's going to get real hot at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. As for the wild card, number one wild card, at least, I think you give that to the Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. The second wild card, these, these last two are tough. I think the second wild card goes to Tennessee. I think you see the Titans there. Third wild card, because here's the thing. I'm not confident in picking my Steelers. I'm not confident in picking the Browns. I don't know if they're going to be able to make it out of this injury bug in a good enough spot with the AFC right now. I say, I hate to say it. I do think the Raiders find a way to sneak in as the seven. That's, that's where, that's where I stand right now. Okay. So my NFC. Oh, no, no, no. I'll let let you guys see. Okay. Sorry. All right. My AFC, I have the number one. I also have the Buffalo bills. I think the bills are in the easiest division out of all of them. I think they have the easiest schedule. Number two, I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans. I think the Titans have looked red hot, and I think they continue that. At number three is where I'm going to have the uh, – I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens. I think the Ravens still find a way to win it. I think the Brown, or the Bengals see some growing pains throughout, and I think that they – I still have them in the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to be playing at the level they have been. And by number four, I have the Kansas City Chiefs. I still think – I still believe that Pat Mahomes will find a way – to make sure that they win that division. Now for my wild cards, at number five, I have the Los Angeles Chargers. I think the Chargers are going to hang or are going to lose just enough games to lose that division. I don't see I don't see the Chiefs losing that division. I still have faith in the Chiefs, which would be a very good playoff matchup between the Chiefs and the Chargers. Number six, I'm going to roll with the Cincinnati Bengals. I think 
that that duo is still going to find a way to make the playoffs. They still have looked very good this year, and it's hard to pick against the Bengals too much this year. And my number seven, I'm going to say, is the Cleveland Browns. I think once the Browns get healthy, I think they have an easier back half of the season, slightly easier back half of the season. I think that the ball starts rolling in their favor, and I think that they find a way to get in. I still think they're too talented. That defense is still too good. Yeah. Right. So how about your NFC? NFC, I think that this is a little easier. One, I'm going Arizona. Two, give me Tampa Bay. Three, this one's kind of tough. I'm going to go Dallas. I think Dallas edges out Green Bay, who's the number four. Uh, I think Dallas edges them out for the number three. First wild card, you got the Los Angeles Rams. I think that that one's pretty easy. Your first five, you know who they are. It's just how you order them. Mm -hmm. That's at least in my opinion. Number six, I'm going to go... Ooh, this, I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the New Orleans Saints. I think the Saints get the six, and then at somehow, some way, Minnesota sneaks in as the number seven. Okay, all right. That's how so I got it. Mine is obviously I'm gonna stick. I'm actually gonna put the Bucks one. I okay. think at some point, I think the Cardinals they have a, a tougher back half of the season. I think they're gonna drop the second game to the Rams. I just I don't think the Rams are I think the Rams are too good to get swept, but I still think they find a way to win that division. Number two, uh, so number one I got the Bucks. Number two I have the Arizona Cardinals. Like I said, Kyle Murray is still going to win league MVP unless he would get hurt. I see that's the only way of him not winning the league MVP. My number three I'm gonna I also unfortunately have the Dallas Cowboys. Um, that they have such they're in a division with three teams that have looked pitiful this season. They are going to run through that division, and they have looked great. Number four, I have the Green Bay Packers. I think the only thing stopping the Packers is the fact that they can't catch the one and two, and I just think the Cowboys have an easier schedule. Number five, Los Angeles Rams. If they don't win the division, they're getting the five. My number six, I'm going to say, is the – I'm going to say the Atlanta Falcons. Okay. I, I really like the – I just – there's something about this Falcons team that I like. And I think they edge out the Saints. And number seven, I actually was surprised when you said it, but I also agree. I think the Minnesota Vikings find a way in. They're three and three. Yeah. They've gotten the tougher part of their schedule out of the way. I think they find a way in. What's up, guys? I hope you all are enjoying this episode of the Sports Freight. I just want to take a little break to talk to you guys about one of our sponsors, OtterBot. If you want to automate your trading, OtterBot has the customer solution for all traders. It is a robot that does the trading for you. They have different levels and different types of uh, OtterBot, and they just released their new beta, the OtterBot ES. If you want to go give it a try, go to OtterBot.com and use the code RAID for 10% off any purchase. Thank you guys, and back to the episode. So we're talking about NFL football. Let's switch over to where it all started, and that's college football. Uh, uh, I really didn't want to talk about college football this week after we <laughs> saw the longest game in college football history which almost made me break my living room television. I did not do that, but almost. And that was Penn State falling 20 to 18 to Illinois in Beaver Stadium. I, I've never been so upset about a football game because before this point, even after the Iowa game, everybody who watched that Iowa game, Penn State game, knew that Penn State was the better team. And so if Sean Clifford plays, they win by two scores. Yeah. I still believe that. And I still think that on any other day, they beat Illinois. I, I, I think it, they got caught on a bad day. They got caught in a bad situation in the rain at, with a banged-up D-line, and Illinois took advantage of that. All credit to Illinois. 
So what I want to talk about, though, is what do you think of that, that uh, rule, that two-point conversion overtime rule? Clearly didn't work. Yeah. Because we went nine overtimes. Absolutely. I, and and I, don't, I don't like it. At some point, yeah, you got to get to two-point conversions. But mm-hmm. as early as the third overtime, I, th- I think right. that the, they should revert back to how it was with LSU, Texas A&M. You know, you go starting at the third overtime, you start at the 25, but you have to go for two instead of kicking the extra point. Yep. And then starting at the fifth overtime, then it's alternating two-point yes. conversions. I think that I like that's that. how it should be. I think we should go back to that from, you know, an overtime rules and a setup standpoint, even and though it's still better than NFL overtimes. Absolutely. And I do think that if they had the old overtime rules, and maybe I'm a little biased on that, I think Penn State wins that game because I think the only way you go to nine overtimes and the better team overall doesn't come out on top is in a situation where it's a three you need three yards which how they couldn't get three yards for 10 tries was absurd to me but yeah it was it was a tough one to watch yeah it was painful so obviously that means Penn State's shot at winning making the college football playoff is next to none and they're they have a tough road ahead to win the Big Ten although I think that's still in the realm of possibility now they have to beat Ohio State this week which I don't see happening but I think if but Penn State, when they have looked good, they have looked just as good as anybody but Georgia. But they also – they did just lose to Illinois. So, yeah. what are you thinking about the Big, big Ten? Where, where do you think you stand on it at this point? You know, when, when we talked uh, the last time a couple of weeks ago, it's wide open. It's anybody's team's race. Mm-hmm. Uh, this may sound biased. I think we're back to where we were preseason where – even if Ohio state isn't at the top of the division right now, everybody's chasing Ohio state, with the way that they look right now. Yes. I mean, offense is unstoppable. Nobody can stop CJ Stroud or that or the zone six wide receiving core with Wilson Olave and a Smith and jig, but Travion Henderson is the best true freshman in all of college football at any position. He is a monster for Ohio state. The offensive line is playing great. And the personnel changes they made on defense in terms of play calling and schematics have worked perfectly because that defense has played very well, given that they have not played good offenses. It's still mm-hmm. steps in the right direction. They have made some pretty big strides. And I think that they are sitting in a spot right now where everybody's still kind of looking up to them because of how good that they have played and how dominant they have been. Yeah. I think that Michigan and Michigan state as well as they have played, and I have way more confidence in Michigan state than I do in Michigan. I don't yeah. think – I think that they kind of have benefited from the lackluster schedule and the fact even when they have played the bad teams, they've hung around. I think that the only team that had a shot of catching Ohio State in the Big Ten was Penn State. Yeah. And I think that even if they come out and win this week, obviously, I don't think they will. I think Sean Clifford's too banged up. I think they're depleted mentally. Like you just see – even on social media, usually I see all these things about it's Ohio State hate week, and I've seen one the fan base is depleted, like everybody's depleted. And I just don't think, I just don't think they pulled out. I think if they beat Illinois, I think they would have been like, all right, we, we barely survived there, but we did. And I thought we'd be looking at a very, very close game. Now watching that Illinois game, even if Penn state pulled that game out, I was picking Ohio state. I think you have to pick Ohio state, but obviously I'm still going to be cheering pretty hard for Penn state, hoping that they can pull it out just because obviously you'll, I would be fun to see them ruin Ohio State's playoff chances and still have a shot to get to the Rose Bowl or yeah. find a way into a big, a big six game. But it is the case is Ohio State is the clear front runner to, front runner to win the Big Ten. Yeah, and here's the, here's the thing. 
even if Penn State's able to edge that out in nine overtimes over, over Illinois, you're looking at a headline of top 10 matchup, number five versus it would probably end up being number eight instead of yeah. number seven. But you're looking at two one-loss teams, two teams that are looking to kind of take over the Big Ten East and get into the Big Ten Championship. You've got college game day on site in Columbus, and it's got big-time at- hype and atmosphere. We haven't seen that since, what? We've actually seen it a lot recently, but didn't see it last year. You know, you're back to kind of 2019 levels. I mean, that was a top 10 matchup where still a lot of people are probably picking Ohio State, but I think you have a lot of, I think the last three uh, before this past season, uh, before the COVID season, the three matchups prior to that were all top 10 matchups. And the one before that was the one that was game day for some reason, because it was the whiteout and Penn State pulled off that upset against Ohio State, which was the game that made Penn State an elite program again. Yeah, 100%. That's what started the run for him. But yeah, I think, I think that we're looking at, it's going to be between Michigan state and Ohio state. And obviously I still have Ohio state edging it out, but I mean, Michigan, but Michigan and Michigan state still are undefeated. They still have to play the game. So they still have, they still control their own destiny to not only the big 10 title, but the college football playoff. Yeah. And Here's the thing. The game that will have the most hype, not only because of, you know, where the rankings stand, but because of the rivalry. I think that the Wolverines probably find a way to get to stay undefeated and head into the game undefeated, even though they will. I don't think they'll be ranked higher necessarily, but Michigan State, I have said this for a few weeks now. They're the team that has the best chance to beat Ohio State because as bad as Ohio's defense, Ohio State's defense has looked at times. The improvement is enough, at least in my opinion, on that side of the ball. And the offense is so good that the team that has that can beat Ohio State, unless you have Georgia's defense, you have to score with Ohio State. Yeah. And I, I like Penn State's offense when Sean Clifford's healthy, but he's not right now. And the only mm-hmm. offense in the Big Ten that Ohio State faces, at least, that can score with the Buckeyes, I believe, is Michigan State. I mean, yeah. you got the... When you got Josh Naylor to throw to and uh, what is it, Kenneth Walker to hand the ball off to, you're sitting in a pretty good spot if you're Michigan State. They're the only offense that could keep up with Ohio State, and I don't think they will, but they're they're definitely have the best chance. Yep, yep. And I think on the other side, I mean, Iowa, the thing that that benefits Iowa is their defense, and I don't think their defense can keep up with Ohio State's offense, seeing how they couldn't even stop Penn State's offense. And the only thing that – They couldn't stop Purdue. Yeah, yeah, they couldn't even stop Purdue. Uh, the only thing that won them that game was the fact that Sean Clifford got hurt. I mean, yeah. but speaking of, let's go over to the other major, the other one of the top two conferences in the uh, college football, and that is the SEC. I think it's clear cut who's going to win. And I think it's kind of sad because I think Alabama is a top four or five team in the country, but I don't think they're going to be able to get in because I don't think they're going to be able to beat Georgia. No, nope, I completely agree with that. Georgia's got the best defense we've seen in years. And here's the thing. I don't think Bama's nearly as good as we all hyped them up. Oh, yes, they're still probably a top four team in college football, but that second loss and a non-conference champion is going to completely knock them out, mm-hmm. especially considering I don't think Oklahoma drops two eggs, as I did for the since the start of the season, really. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Cincinnati gets in, but I'm not, I'm not sure how Cincinnati is able to get in from the American Conference. But from the SEC standpoint, everybody's looking up at Georgia, and they're going to be looking up at Georgia for the rest of the year. Bama was struggling with Tennessee. Mm-hmm. They were in a one-score game until the fourth quarter, and a couple of volunteers' mistakes blew that game open. And the score does not indicate how close or how good Tennessee played against Alabama. Now, I definitely think Bama loses by two scores to Georgia, and Georgia gets the one seed, and Bama's knocked out. 
But outside of those two, the SEC has not been that good a conference. Absolutely. Ole Miss, I know, I know that they're a top ten team, but they've laid a few eggs. They've been in a lot of close games that they probably should not have yep. uh, been in. Uh, Arkansas, after the whole four and five and start, they own the state of Texas and everything. They're setting the world on fire. Then they lose three or four straight games, and now they're back out of the rankings. The SEC has not been a good conference this year, outside of Georgia and Alabama. Maybe Ole Miss too. All right, we're kind of getting a little low on time, but before I will, we'll still talk a little bit more about college football. But let's go into an in-depth look at what your playoff predictions look like. Here, here's what I think it ends up being. I got one Georgia. I think two ends up being Ohio State. I think that they look good enough and that they are dominant enough to sneak in at number two. Number three, you got Oklahoma. Caleb Williams has that offense rolling, at least for the most part, even though he got shut out in the first half by Kansas. Yep. But I, I still think that they roll through the rest of the Big 12. Number four is really tough for me. I don't think that they put in Cincinnati, even if they're undefeated. I don't think that they look at that resume as good enough, especially next to a one-loss Pac-12 champion with a win over Ohio State on their home field. I think Oregon gets in as the number four. I think they sneak in as the one-loss Pac-12 champion with that Ohio State loss really propelling them back into the conversation. So mine is very, very similar. There are some tweaks. My top two are the same, Georgia, Ohio State. I think Georgia's going to – let's be honest, Georgia's going to run through the rest of their season. They're going to be one. I think Ohio State's going to end up being two because I do think they take care of business the rest of the way. Now, the only – I'll get to that in a second. Number three I'm going to mention is I'm going to put Cincinnati. Okay. I think their win against Notre Dame and how dominant they played against everybody but Navy was the only team that really hung around and it wasn't as close as the score showed. Yeah. I think that's enough. Undefeated. I think this is the year that a uh, group of five team gets in. And number four, I have Oklahoma. I think that Oklahoma's been in too many close games against too many bad teams, kind of how that Florida State team was the first year, to give to for them to bump uh, over Cincinnati. So I'm going to put them in number four. One thing I do want to talk about is, so what happens if this, there's this weird scenario that we could be seeing of if Oregon doesn't win the Pac-12 and the, the champion of the uh, Big Ten is either a two-loss Ohio State or Penn State team. What do we see? Because in, if- that, in that scenario, obviously Oregon's out. Cincinnati, you put Cincinnati back in. I think mm-hmm. you get Oklahoma at two, Cincinnati at three. Yep. And then we have uh, that four scenario. team. Yeah. And a four I think team. that the whoever wins the Big Ten, if it were to be Ohio State or Penn State, even if they're two losses, mm-hmm. I don't th- think there's another con- – you have to put the conference champion in there. Yep, because I think compared to Alabama, because Penn State, if they were to win out the rest of the way, you're talking about three top 10 wins. Yep. Plus a Big Ten championship win over either Minnesota or Iowa. Yep. That is a better resume than what Alabama would have put together because and they have that unless Alabama Auburn. beats Georgia. Yeah, unless Alabama beat Georgia. I think that would be another interesting one. But that's my thing is it's so it's such a weird thing because Oregon very well could lose, drop another game this season, yeah. be either a two-loss conference Absolutely. champion or a two-loss non-conference champion. And if Penn State would win out and Ohio State only lost would be to Penn State, then you're talking about one of them like being either a two-loss conference champion, then they would still have to beat Iowa. So it's it's a wild scenario, but I would think that if there's a year for not only a group of five team to get in, but a two-loss conference champion, this would be the end. Yeah, yeah, it would be the year. It's been pretty I mean, wild. So outside of Georgia, there's been quite a bit of chaos this year. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. Because I think even if Ohio State does slip up this week, it's just the big the Big Ten still has so many powerhouses 
or where we could see a scenario where all four teams are in a four-way tie with two losses. And, and then here's here's a question: How would you know the head-to-head matchups have gone? Because how would the tiebreakers sort out? Of, mm-hmm. That would be yeah. that would be really interesting. Well, I would think that Penn State would have to win out. That's the only way, obviously. Yeah. Oh, man, I don't I don't even want to think about it. It's gonna make my head hurt. But I was I was sitting there and I saw somebody talk about that. It's like it's gonna be a weird year because you could see a two-loss conference champion, especially out of the Big Ten, find a way in. Yeah. So. I mean, that conference has been insane. That conference has been very good. And the only real blunder on any of their resumes is Penn State's loss to Illinois. And yeah. I was lost to Purdue. But I still think if Iowa wins out, they'll find a way in. I mean, here's the, here's the thing. If Minnesota were to win out, they play Iowa. Minnesota's in the Big Ten Championship. So you could be seeing a week one rematch. Yeah. Or, or do they put in an undefeated Wake Forest from the ACC? Do we have here's to the consider thing. I'm not. I'm not – I know we can consider it. I think they lose to Pitt or, or another or, team. Or I don't think Wake Forest wins one out. Lost, or one lost Pitt team. Now, I completely forgot. Exactly. The now, AC- now, if you, now, now, let's go back. If you have Penn State or Ohio State as a if, – if you have Penn State as a two-loss conference champion, mm-hmm. that blemish against Illinois is going to keep them out and put Pitt in. You think so? I think. I, I think, think that- so. Now, depending on how – I think that it also happens with Ohio State being a two-loss conference champion, it, but it depends on how lost- much they've – even if they do lose to Penn State, because Penn okay. State's going to be ranked, that's not a big blemish. But my Oregon's going to be ranked; they have no massive blemishes. It would just be it would just be tough to look at that because the resumes would like if we go to that scenario: one lost conference champion Pitt, who really doesn't have any insanely impressive wins on their resume. Then you got I mean, other than maybe Wake Forest, but let's be honest: the ACC has been nothing short of purely disappointing. Yeah, I mean, your top three teams have been of North Carolina, Miami, and Clemson have been nothing but disappointing. Yeah. So then you have this Wake Forest team and you got this Pitt team who are, who are one loss teams who are an undefeated team who are struggling to stay ranked just because it's such a weak conference they're in. So do you put the one loss Pitt team in that won their, it's still a power five conference, or do you put the one loss Alabama who, or, or there would be a two loss Alabama, I guess at that point, so they would be out. It's it's and the thing is, it's it's still a, a lot of things need to happen for this scenario, but it's not like it's things that are like unrealistic. No, no, it's, no. And it, it, how I think it's going to be how high do they consider that Clemson went by double digits at home? I don't think it's mm-hmm. that going to be that big a win. But does the committee see it as that big a win? Mm-hmm. How much do they value going on the road and beating Tennessee by double digits? How much do they value that? How much will they value the hypothetical win over Wake Forest, who could be undefeated in the ACC championship game? Yeah, I do How much do they value a win over NC State? I mean, there's still some things that could put Pitt in, but it's definitely still a long shot. Yeah, uh, same, yeah same with the whole – it's just it's just been such a crazy season and all the stuff going left and right and up and down and yeah. center. And it's just too, so much stuff going on that you can't question anything. Anything can happen. And we are in for a great rest of the college football season and NFL season. Yep. But that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Sports Raid. Thank you, Mike, for being on once again. I appreciate Absolutely. it. I would definitely have you on again, probably towards the end of college football season. But All right. I have a great rest of your day, man. Absolutely. You too, Cole. All right. Thank you.